Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Of all the podcasts I've ever done, in many ways, this is the most interesting to me. The reason it's most interesting is because it's different than any other podcast of how I've prepped for it. Usually for most podcasts, I've had a thought that has come from a question that I've been asked. I've thought through that uh, question, and I've come up with principles, some practices, some takeaways. Today, I'm not sure I have that, but I do feel like more than any other podcast that I need to talk to leaders, that I need to talk to people who are in leadership positions. That being said, let me start with one of my verses that really sort of guides me. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, we are given a statement, and it says, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. The interesting thing is, is that rabbis saw that word darkness different than we do. We see the word darkness as though the lights have been turned off, or maybe they've never been turned on, giving your view of Genesis chapter 1. But they saw darkness different because that word darkness is one that they referred to as chaos. And you can go to Jeremiah 4 verse 23 and you can look and do some of the uh, deep digging into the background and you will see that they felt like that word darkness really meant chaos. So the way they would interpret it would be this, and there was chaos upon the earth. There was chaos upon the earth. See, if I were going to entitle this message, I would say that crisis creates chaos, that crisis creates chaos, that whenever crisis happens, there's always going to be chaos in the midst of it, that right now in my nation, in my city, in my community, in uh, the world I live in, there's a crisis. That crisis is an intense crisis. It's a life and death crisis for many people. It's a crisis that has personal implications, has global global uh, realities for our world. But yet in the midst of that crisis, there's a whole lot of chaos. But the reason I've always loved Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 is not because it said that darkness or chaos was upon the face of the earth, but it says that when there was darkness and chaos upon the face of the earth, that the Spirit of God moved. That's always reassured me as a leader. It's reassured me because it made me think that things don't have to be perfect for God to move. The environment around doesn't have to be sort of clean cut for God to do something. In fact, to the contrary, it's saying no matter how chaotic things are, no matter how much chaos there is, no matter how much confusion there is, God can move. And if there's any verse that I'm leaning on right now, it is that verse that is a leader that in the midst of darkness and confusion and chaos, 
that God is moving. Somehow in the midst of the arena that we're in right now, that God is at work and that God is moving, not because he created chaos, not because he created confusion, but because he is God and there's no environment that this world can ever create that preempts God from beginning to move in the midst of it. So if I could say anything to those of you that are people of faith, join me in believing that God is moving in the midst of the chaos, that in the midst of the chaos, God has the ability to create in the midst of chaos. God has the ability to redeem in the midst of chaos. God has the ability to create hope, to create peace, to create love, to create faith, to create out of disorder and bring order that when there was chaos upon the earth, God moved. With that being said, let me ask another question. Right now in the chaos that you're dealing with, what is it that you need to know? Well, let me give you a couple of things that I think are important for you to know. Now, I'm speaking as me. The first thing that I would say to you as a leader is that we need you. If there's ever been a time that we need faith-based leaders, it's now. If there's ever been a time that we need you as a leader, it's right now. Yeah, it may seem like it's helpless, but we need you. It may not seem like there's a coherent plan, but we need you. It may not seem like the playbook even works anymore, but we need you. During these moments, do not let this world, this life, do not let anyone tell you that you are someone who's obsolete. We need you right now. And if I could add to that, you're important. You are important. Not only do we need you as a leader, but you are important. That there are things that need to be done that will not be done unless leaders step to the forefront, unless leaders will begin to navigate the terrain around them and begin to move to the forefront. That will not happen. And so not only do we need you, but you are important. And then thirdly, we need you more than ever. We need you more than ever. Leadership is an interesting subject, but leaders aren't needed during good times. They're needed during bad times. They're not needed when there's a clear-cut plan. They're needed when there's chaos upon the earth because God chooses to move in the midst of chaos. And right now, we need you. You're important, and we need you more than ever. And if I could add a fourth thing, I'm proud of you. I am immensely proud of every leader that takes a step forward. Every leader that steps into the chaos rather than running from the chaos. As I've told people in my community, I would rather die serving than survive and hiding. Now, I get it. That seems to be a radical kind of statement, and that may not be a statement you feel comfortable with making. And I get that. But right now, we need leaders to step to the forefront. We need leaders of all sizes, of all shapes, of all backgrounds, of all settings. We need leaders. But let me just walk you through a few things. Every day I wake up knowing that there's chaos, knowing that God can move in chaos. And every day I have to deal with some questions. 
Let me give you the questions I have to deal with from my leadership position and my leadership seat. Every day I deal with this question. How do we create meaningful ministry? Because I oversee a church, I have to ask the question. How do we create meaningful ministry? Now, understand something. I'm not talking about activity. Forever in the church world, people have confused activity for ministry. Just because there's a lot of people running around doesn't mean ministry is happening. So more than ever, I have to ask the question, how do we create meaningful ministry? Another question I ask every day, how do I support other leaders, especially pastors? See, I believe very, very much that a part of my job and a part of your job is to be my brother's keeper. That old question, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Yes, I am. My job is to help other pastors succeed in the midst of the chaos that's going on. So how do I support other leaders and especially pastors? Thirdly, how do I manage my team given current economic realities? How do I manage my team given current economic realities? See, right now, the economic reality says that across the United States that the average church's income has decreased 30% on average. Now, I realize that some of you are an anomaly to that, and the reason it doesn't say 40 or 50% is you've held things together, and maybe you had the unique platforms that are already in place. Maybe you had already trained your people in certain ways. Maybe you're in a community that is based on the military or is based on hospitals or based on education where all those checks are sort of guaranteed. But if you're in the rest of the world where 40% of the people are struggling right now in the United States, how do I manage my team given how the economic realities exist right now? And then real important, how do I lead people to faith in an environment that is overwhelmed with fear? How do I lead people in faith in an environment that is overwhelmed in fear? Right now, I believe my job is more critical than it's ever been. The reason I believe it's more critical than it's ever been because I believe people will capitulate their faith. I believe people will give up their faith and will back away from their faith because right now the environment is toxic. It is so filled with fear and that fear is driving people who've always believed out of their faith and I am the representative of God and I am the individual that is to provoke people to good work and to make sure that in the midst of a world filled with fear that there's still people of faith. This last week, I taught a lesson, and it was entitled, When Things Go From Bad to Worse. And in that particular lesson, it was interesting. I felt a need to talk to my people. I felt a need to pastor my people. I felt a need in the midst of chaos to say some clear things. What was interesting to me was that um, several of my family members that have heard me uh, speak 
thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, they felt like that was the finest sermon I had ever done. Because in the midst of the fear, I pushed people to faith. And then my next question is, how do I navigate government mandates without losing biblical values? So how do I do what government entities around me are asking me to do and still maintain biblical values? Every day, these are my questions. How do we create meaningful ministry? How do I support other leaders and especially pastors? How do I manage my team given the current economic realities? How do I lead people in faith in an environment that is overwhelmed with fear? And how do I navigate government mandates without losing biblical values? Let me just walk through and give you six little takeaways. Here they are. Control what you can control. Control what you can control. Man, I know that sounds trite. I know that sounds like, oh my goodness, that's just like one of those laws of leadership. It really sounds good, but it's really not functional in real life. It's like I have some dear friends who teach, uh, you know, the indispensable laws of teamwork. And I sit there and I hear them talk about those things. And I'm thinking, one, you don't lead a team. Two, uh, your team stays in place. You're not dealing with the free agent market that we're dealing with today. And I'm thinking, you know, great thoughts if you're in a perfect world where your team's going to be the same team for the next 20 years. So I know that when I say control what you can't control. But here's the thing. There's something I do control. And that is how we're going to conduct ministry. Now, right now in our society, here's the way it goes. Let's all stream messages. Now, let me be honest. I'm streaming my message. My message is going out. And like I said, the message last week has literally been heard by hundreds of pastors who will duplicate it in some way this next week. But here's the thing. There's something I can control. One of the things that I believe firmly that I can control is that money doesn't follow messages. Money follows ministry. Now, I'm saying this. I'm being real raw right now because we're dealing with with a world that the economy is contracting, and yet ministry needs to be expanding. So how do I create ministry with less money? If I have a lot of money, I know how to create a lot of ministry. But see, we've always had the idea if we have a lot of money, we can expand ministry. But when the economy's contracting around us, how do we create ministry? But I think one of the things that every leader has to think through right now is to understand that money doesn't follow messages. Why? There's too many great communicators out there. There's too many great speakers out there. There are people that don't oversee anything, but they're willing to put out a message. But here's the deal. Money doesn't follow messages. Money follows ministry. So how are you creating ministry? 
How are you creating ministry? I get it that I'm in a locale that may be different than your locale. I get it that I'm having to learn terms that I never learned before. I'm having to learn the term from the CDC of mild, moderate, and extreme. The three stages of a pandemic. But it doesn't matter whether I'm in mild. It doesn't matter whether I'm moderate. It doesn't matter whether I'm extreme. I have to create ministry. So right now, a lot of our ministry deals with this. Our ministry deals with drive-through ministry. That every weekend we create a drive-through moment where we're asking our people to do two things. Come through where they're prayed for and come through and donate food that we can give to food banks. So they're receiving ministry, they're extending ministry. I am convinced that if you don't figure out a way to create where people are receiving ministry, oh, well, my people are listening to me talk. Let's just be honest. They've done that for years. Now you've got to create ministry. In Acts chapter 13, one of the things that we know is that there were ministers that were separated out from the church from the church in Antioch. See, a calling isn't a calling to be a speaker. A calling is a calling to be a minister. I believe right now that organizations that create meaningful ministry will be the organizations that will thrive in this moment. So control what you can control. Figure out how you're going to create ministry moments. How are you going to do that? So for us right now, anyone 65 and older, they get a call every week. We're asking them, what is it that they need? We have teams of people that will pick up their groceries so they can stay inside. Who will pick up their medicine so they can stay inside who are calling every week and praying for them. You know what that is? That's called ministry. Control what you can control. Figure out where you're at, how to create ministry. The next thought, church isn't something you watch. It's something that you do. See, church isn't a spectator sport. You don't buy season tickets to a church. Church is about doing something, not just seeing something. And if I have a great concern, it is how many people we will have trained to watch church without doing church. And I know people will sit there and hear this and say, well, that's just sort of, you know, over the top. This is a unique time. No, it's not a unique time. The church is the church. And the church has to do something. So church can be like this. Hey, repeat after me. When they're repeating, they're doing something. It could be, hey, right now we're going to pray these three verses for the frontline caregivers in our community. I want you, wherever you are, you're sitting in your home right now, you're watching the video stream, I want you to pray with me. They're doing something. You're asking them to respond in some meaningful way where they're giving something. But church isn't about watching. Church is about doing. 
So what I know right now is that I'm going out of my way to control what I can control. How do we create meaningful ministry, not better messages? Making sure that my church just isn't watching something, but they're doing something. But number three, churches create information, but we only create information as a means of transformation. See, I'm not in the informing business. I'm in the transforming business. As we like to say it at Grace Church, we create an environment for the lost to be saved and the saved to serve. That's about transformation. Except a man be born again. Jesus' communication with Nicodemus. And see, if we're not careful, we are going to let church become an information center rather than a transformation center. One of the things that technology allows us to do is to see when people are listening and when they're not. Now, I'm being bold with my people because I'm looking at them and saying, you know what? Right now, when the message is older, over, a lot of you are clicking off. But you know that if you were in our sanctuary right now, we wouldn't let you click off. Because we're about to do what we believe is the finest moment. We believe the altar call is the finest moment in our church. And I'm asking you to be the church that even though you're saved and the people sitting next to you may be saved, someone's watching this that isn't saved. And you don't get to click it off. You get to do what you would do if you were sitting in front of us right now. You would pray. Because I refuse to let my people turn the church into an information center when it's a transformation center. So push the point. Ask them to call people. Give them verses. Hey, do you have a friend that's depressed? Here are two verses. Do you have somebody who's isolated? And it's not just that they're isolated because we've been asked to do certain things, but they were already that way. Maybe you can write them a note. Figure out how to take information and turn it into transformation. Number four, long battles demand a lot of prayer. Long battles demand a lot of prayer. When all of this began to happen, I asked God, I said, Lord, what is it that I can pray? And he took me back to a concept that was first introduced in Joshua. And that was that there would be cities of refuge. There would be places during crisis and calamity that people could come and that they would know they're safe. And because we do the drive-through prayer each and every week, because we're asking people to bring up donations. I want our church to be one of those cities of refuge. So the city of refuge is something that I've spent more time praying about than anyone who drives on our property that the healing virtue of God flows in them. That anyone who drives on our property, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about coronavirus. We're talking about heart disease. We're talking about cancer. See, I don't want people to be healed of coronavirus and then die of cancer. I want them to be healed because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I've spent hours walking my property just believing God that we are a city of refuge. 
I've spent more time in prayer than I've ever spent in prayer. And the reason being is during long times of battle, you are required to pray. So what I would say to you is if you haven't walked your property, walk your property. If you haven't declared and figured out what are the promises God's asking for you to believe for the house and the organization that you're over, why don't you start doing it? If you're the business person and you don't have, quote, a church, because I know I'm diving into the church deal, why don't you turn it around and do it a little bit different? Why don't you figure out how you can pray for your people, how you can pray for the building that your people walk in so that it It is a place of refuge spiritually. Number five, challenge the system. Right now, I'm challenging our elected officials. Now, I'm doing it with integrity and I'm doing it with humility, but I'm challenging them. And again, I would encourage you to go back. If you have the capability, you can go to Grace Church and you can pull up the lesson this week. It talks about how I've challenged in our community. But I'm challenging the system because a lot of people are using the word essential. What are essential businesses? And I'm challenging them to think through why church is essential. I will not let them go through this period of time and say that a church is unessential. And some of you pastor large churches, and the reason you need to be that voice is because small churches do not have that voice. And if you don't stand up for essential, this world will make the church unessential. So I'm challenging the system. And that brings me to number six. The large always fight for the small. You can always tell the difference between a hero and a bully. A bully picks on the person smaller than them. A hero helps the person who's smaller than them. Right now, our communities need some heroes. It needs us to look out for the single mom needs us to look out for the depressed individual. It needs us to look out for the individual that doesn't have any food to eat. It needs us to do that. That being said, we have to step up our game. There was darkness, chaos upon the earth, but God moved. When there's chaos, it's hard to see God move. But if you listen, God's saying something in the midst of the chaos that can create opportunities for him to move. Again, of all the podcasts that I've done, this one was probably the most unique because I'm giving more questions than I am answers. Because I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're in the hot zone. I don't know if you're in the moderate. I don't know if you're in the mild. And how you navigate each one of those is different. But what I do know this is this world needs ministry, not just messages. So make sure you're creating ministry and not just a message. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.